Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life you give us, for the love you have for us. And as we think about what Easter is truly about and how that is really the message for us as Christians, continue to remind us we're not just called to receive from you, but also to do on your behalf, to be people in this world reflecting you and your love. But today, as we think about what it means to be, to be with you, encourage us, open up our hearts and minds to hear from you. Help us to take notice of what you do and how you go about life. And may what you say and what you do affect our lives and the way we live. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. And so today in our Jesus Challenge, and for those who weren't here last week, just quickly as I mentioned to the kids, um, the Jesus Challenge is about first listening to Jesus. It's, It's about looking at what Jesus does, not just what he does, but how he interacts with people. And then it's about putting into action what he says we are to do. And it comes from James um, and from Jesus himself, where both in both contexts, James probably clearly states it this way. Don't be just listeners of the word, also be doers of the word. And so today we're focusing about being, because being is essential for us as Christians. I'm not quite sure if you're like this, but I'm a doer. I like doing, right? And if you're a doer, if you're an active person... Right? You find doing rewarding. Right? You like getting around and doing stuff. And a good way to sense whether you're a doer or not, can you sit still and do nothing? Ask my wife. I find that difficult. <laughs> I find that very difficult. When we go on holidays, my wife likes to have as little planned as possible with a couple of things. Me, on the other hand... Let's plan the whole time. I remember a few years ago, many years ago now, when we first come to Sydney for a holiday. We had five days. And I said, Sydney, we've got a lot to see. So I had this plan out. The kids and that. Our two older cats like to sleep around, lays around. Well, this new cat, it's all over the place. Jumps around, runs around, does everything. And you can almost sense from the older cat goes, one day you'll learn. Right? And doers tend to do that. And as Christians, we can become doers. We can go, we've got to serve people. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We need to be doing this. We need to get better at this. We need to do this. But we should always remember we are called to first be with Jesus, to allow Jesus to speak to us. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'll flip it the other way, is that we also should remember that being a Christian is not just about being. There are some Christians I encounter who think it's just about sit back. God does everything anyway, so I can sit back and I'll just dwell here. And in fact, I don't have to do anything. But is that taking God's word seriously? Is that listening to what God is saying? It's both a being and doing. But it's important that we start with the being. 
And one of the reasons it's important to start with the being is so our culture is affected by Jesus. It's interesting that in the current Western world, in businesses and many organisations, it has this philosophy of just buying in skills and and, and things, of going, oh, look, we won't recruit from within, we'll recruit from without. And yet one of the largest companies in the world, one of the most successful companies in the world, one of the companies that is quite confident of its culture, and this is a key to this approach, is Procter & Gamble. And Procter & Gamble's approach is we would much prefer to recruit from within than to hire from somebody outside. And the reason being is that they'll understand our culture. We can always upskill people. That's fairly easy. But helping people understand our culture, be part of our culture, have a focus of who we are, takes a lot bigger challenge. And so think about this when it comes to being a Christian. We want the Jesus to influence us. And this is why this focus starts the Jesus challenge on being. Just being with Jesus. Allowing Jesus to affect who we are and how we go about things. So there's two key Christian discipleship principles and thoughts. And you'll often hear me talk about we are Christian disciples. We're not just people who are to rock up, sit in the pews and receive. We're also people to be part of the body of Christ. Part of God's team in this world reflecting his love. The first is this, is what we do comes from who we are. We are baptised children of God. We are people that God has come into this world and loves and dies for. And so our doing comes from who we are, our being. And so Jesus shapes us, shapes for us what it means to be a Christian. And this is why it's important for us to constantly listen to the word. One of the, one of the challenges that I have for myself, but also I encourage you to have this challenge, is to read the word without your blinkers on, without your preconceptions of what you think God is saying or what you think God should be doing. And occasionally what you'll see is the word will speak to you in a way that you're not so comfortable with because you have this preoccupation with a particular way God should operate. And yet behind it is always God's love and grace and his mission of saving all people. But keep in mind, what we do, what we do as church and how we do it should always be influenced by who we are. And the other aspect to keep in mind is this, is Jesus invites us into a relationship, not a religion. Jesus invites us into a relationship and not a religion. If you want a clear picture of this, look at the way he calls the disciples, right? And look at the way how the disciples' life unfolds. He invites them to come and follow him. Right? They don't have to have achieved great things. He invites them to come and follow him. And if you have an understanding of how they worked, they just followed him. They walked around. They listened to him. They looked at him. They did not just do nothing. They did things along the way, but they were being shaped constantly by him. 
And they're being shaped constantly by him to do things. And that's the same with us as well. We are being shaped by God to do things in the world, but we first must listen, first must look. You know, when Jesus calls his disciples, listen to what it says. It says, he says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Part of the Christian journey is not just to go, I'm saved, I can do whatever I like. But to actually go, I'm following Jesus. What is God calling me to be and do in the world? How am I being shaped? Not by how the world perceives I should be a Christian. Some years ago, I had a couple of blokes in a a congregation in Tasmania and they worked in a factory sort of place. Right? And they were quite, I would say, solid Christians. They had a strong belief that God loves them and forgives them, strong belief that they needed salvation and forgiveness regularly, strong belief that um, they were part of the church. They were committed to helping the church at that time um, at least survive. But they were at work one day and there must have been a social thing or something happening and they said, oh, no, we can't come until after church. And straight away one of the bloke goes, you're not a Christian. He goes, what do you mean? He said, you're too rough to be a Christian. You're too blokey. Christians are supposed to be nice, meek and mild, lovey people. And that's the perception that some people have. Now, it's not saying we shouldn't be people of grace. It's not saying we shouldn't be. But it, it, the core message of Christianity is I need forgiveness, I need love. It's not about us having to be perfect. And yet the outside world will try to demand that of the church and Christians as the main priority. It doesn't mean, you know, when they're doing that, we should think, where have we failed? But we should never fall into the trap to say, oh, for me to be a Christian, I need to be absolutely perfect. I need to have everything in order. Because we know... The core message of Christianity is we need forgiveness. We need God's grace and love, and not just once off, but regularly. But as a result of that, God then leads us into something else. And what's key about Jesus invites us into a relationship and not religion is that when we talk about religion, we're talking about the idea that I just do stuff. Right? I do stuff. I tick the box. I come to worship. Tick. I pray. Tick. I've given 10%. Tick. Right? I'm nice to my neighbour. Tick. Right? And we think we've done enough. And what I find interesting is there are some people who will say to me, Look, I'm coming to worship, but I've got to go and go and do shopping afterwards. So hurry up and finish. Don't preach so long. Don't have such a long service. Don't do this. Right? And often the conversation is about, I just want to get out of here. I just want to make sure I've done the job, but I want to do it as quickly as possible and tick and go. But we are called to be with Jesus. We're called to be in this relationship with Jesus. And not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. 
And so when you come to worship, can I encourage you, and I'll talk about this and also emphasise it again, can I encourage you to come with an attitude, I'm here to worship God, I'm here open to hear what God says. And I actually encourage people, particularly new members, allow two hours at church on Sunday. Hour and a half in here and half an hour for fellowship afterwards. So you can not feel rushed. And it's best not to plan too much straight away after church. So something to think about. Every day, in your week, in your month and in your year, how are you being with Jesus? How are you being with Jesus every day? How are you being with Jesus in your week? How are you being with Jesus in your month? How are you being with Jesus in your year? How are you putting yourself in a situation where Jesus is comforting you? Where Jesus is shaping you and equipping you? Where Jesus is reminding you yet again that you're forgiven and loved, even when you've stuffed up? Some years ago, I was with an older lady who was part of our church, and she'd gone through a, not this church, another church, but part of the Waterloo church. She'd gone through a pretty rough patch, but from the outset, you wouldn't have known it. And I just said, how are you coping? She says, well, having time with Jesus every day, reading his word, praying, and having other Christians in my life have been absolutely essential. They've not only helped me through this difficult patch, but they've also shown me how I can help others. So this is something for all of us to think about, is every day, in your week, in your month, and in your year, how are you being with Jesus? Not as an academic exercise. You know, one of the, one of the challenges we have within the church is we can create it into an academic exercise about head knowledge, about getting the right things right, but just sitting, listening. Getting back to the doing. For many, doing is far easier than being. How many of you think you're doers? More tendency to doers. I definitely would put my hand in that. I love doing, right? It's about getting things done. You get a sense of accomplishment. You feel like, ah, I've got this done. Well, the reason many of us are like, are prefer to be doers is we can see outcomes, but we also feel we've got some control over what's happening. Right? Would you rather be driving the car or a passenger in the car? I'd rather be driving because I can control what's happening. And yet when we be, Jesus is shaping us. Jesus is helping us. Jesus is doing for us what we need. And when we're with Jesus, our doing is more effective though. We gain strength from God. We actually gain purpose. We see what we're doing. It shapes sometimes what we do, but it also shapes how we do it. One little example is that when we had the COVID experience, right? Um, we had a rule from the government that said 
you must do these things. And one of it was you must collect people's names at the front door. You must not allow pe- you must not allow people in here at one stage who were not vaccinated. You must not. It was all that the rules. And I spent time thinking and praying. How can we do this in a more gospel go- way, helpful way? And so that shaped what we told our welcomers to do at the front door: to be welcoming, to be guiding. And I actually remember saying. We're not to say, no, you're not allowed, but we are to redirect. If you can't worship in person, you can worship online and this is how you can do it. And that came out of praying and thinking, how can we respond to this in a godly way? We didn't have any choice in the way we did it. It's important that we be so what we do reflects Jesus. But it's also not a stop-start thing. It's not like, right, I'm going to go away for three years and do nothing. I'm just going to be with Jesus and then come out and do stuff. If you look at the discipleship model, it's more like an apprenticeship model. You start doing as you be. You be and do. So what are some ways we can be with Jesus? Well, Scripture gives us a number of insights. Jesus gives us some insights of how we can be with him. The first is listening deeply to his word, taking the time to reflect. There's a, there's a concept that has come out of South Africa called dwelling in the word. Um, I have not introduced their concept purely into our congregation because I think many of us would struggle with it. And what that concept is, is for, they have their Bible studies. This is how they purely do it. They get one passage of scripture, usually a story or a verse, and they read it for the whole year, every week when they do Bible studies. It's only the one passage for a whole year, and they dwell on what that word is saying. They think about it. But it's about us listening to God deeply, without even our theological lens sometimes. Secondly, another way is to pray earnestly. Pray earnestly to God. Prayer is a a magnificent gift that God gives us. You know, being able to talk to God directly. But also praying about the situation. You know, Luther has ritual was one of praying in the morning and praying in the evening. You know, before he did anything and at the end of the day. But not just praying for ourselves, praying with others. You know, I've shared this story a number of times about somebody I visited in the hospital in Launceston because in Launceston Hospital, they used to give you a list of all the Lutherans that were there. Eight out of the ten people we went to visit had no connection to our local congregation. And one of the blokes I remember visiting says to me, I go to him and I said, I'm the local Lutheran pastor. And we had a bit of a chat. I said, would you like prayer? And he says, oh, you can waste your time praying. I haven't been to church since 1956. He had terminal cancer. I said, all right, I'll pray with you. It's not a waste from my perspective. Um, And then that started to develop a relationship. And then every time I visited him, he went, can you pray for me? And then he told his family, this pastor fella, he's got to bury me. And I don't know what he told his family, but at the funeral I had two people and I didn't talk about baptism. 
Come and ask to be baptised. How can we be baptised? What does it mean to be a Christian? Prayer is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing God gives you so you can talk to God. But it's also a powerful thing that God gives you, gives us, so we can help others. And maybe you're with people sometime who are struggling in life or not quite sure what to do. Have you thought about, let us pray. Do you mind if I pray for you? And pray with them publicly. The third thing where Jesus invites us to be with him is in worshipping the Lord our God. As we come to worship, now our Western approach to worship sometimes is very much about the style. It's about, let's get through this as quick as possible. It's about um, what we want. And sometimes for some people, it's just about me and God. And that's why one of the, when you're trying to change this a little bit with this focus of um, at the end of the service is asking that question, what has God been saying to you? It's the one question I encourage all of you, all of us to come. So what has God said to us today? But worshipping God, thanking God, praising God, coming with a heart to say, this is God's creation that he's given us. And also think about what does it mean to worship during the week? The fourth thing Jesus invites us to be with him is with being with other Christians. Spending time with other Christians. Now in Matthew 18 it talks about where two or three are gathered. Constantly you see Christianity being a communal thing. Again, the Western world hasn't helped us in one aspect in that it's become me and God often. You know, it's what I want rather than what God is. This week we had a district church council meeting. One of the things we talked about is the challenges that we're facing um, in New South Wales and ACT. And, and one of those is that, is that people have a jumping congregations, both within the church and also else going outside the Lutheran church. And often that's about, ah, oh, the church is not catering to my needs. And yet someone put it, well, it's maybe we need to, as Christians, as disciples, is to be part of the body of Christ and contribute to where God has placed us now. And the fifth area where Jesus is present with us is in serving others. In Matthew chapter 25, there's this story that Jesus tells of the sheep and the goats, and you may know it, but this surprising twist when he's telling it to um, religious people and not so religious people is this, is that Jesus is presence in the serving, that in the least of these, you may make Jesus. At the moment, regularly, I've got a, a gentleman who, homeless sort of a gentleman, who knocks on my door and asks for a couple of coins at least every second week. Now, when I first met him, he wasn't knocking on my door. He was walking along the street and he was a grumpy old... He's pretty grumpy. Um, and he was a bit, oh, I don't want to deal with him. And then one day I just started talking to him. And then the, the, for money... I'm actually waiting for Jesus to pop out a bit more. But what I do notice, his demeanour has changed 
in talking to him. Now, is Jesus present there? I don't know. But I know Jesus is doing something in me in interacting with him. The sixth way is that the numbering's got squiffed because I added one. The sixth way is coming to Jesus in quiet places. Do you ever have a quiet time with Jesus? An extended quiet time. In the weekly activity for this week, one of the activities, the encouragement is to go, go somewhere quietly where you're not distracted for 30 minutes and your Bible. There's an exercise I do with pre-marriage couples um, and usually one, of the, one person, if not both, find it very hard to just have a clear focus. Often it's easy to get distracted. And we get distracted by things around us, like mobile phones are the worst thing. But we get distracted by thoughts pop into our head. Oh, I've got to go and do this. And this is why it's not good to have something too quickly planned after church, because you'll go, I've got to get there. Like, Christmas for me is one of the nightmares, because I often get people go, hope your sermon's short, because I've got to roast lunch on today, right? And I've got it planned for 12 (laughs) o'clock, But this quiet time, the other thing with a quiet time is to think about what often many people refer to as a retreat, a whole day where you go quietly. One of my mentors, who's a pastor, um, he says, ah, my bishop was not very good to me this week. And I said, why? He says, he's actually enrolled me in a whole week's retreat where I've got to be silent because he kept... He said the first day was praying to God to get him through it. But just think about this quiet time. When I was going through seminary, um, I had some real... Uh, the workload for me was challenging. And at times it was because the, I felt the lecturers didn't communicate when they wanted assignments. Like one week we had four assignments due. And when that busy time, the best thing for me to do was to sit in a beanbag with some Celtic contemporary Christian music and the Message Bible for about an hour. But I had to choose a time to do that because I had three young kids, so that was often 11.30 at night. So think about where you could have some quiet time with Jesus. Next one, Jesus is present when we fast, but humbly fast. One of the other activities in this week's activity suggestion is to actually fast from something that's meaningful. And as you do, to pray. And the examples I will say now, because somebody pointed this out at Redeemer, the examples I get put in there are only the start. There could be something else. Because one example I didn't put in there was chocolate, fast from chocolate. But it could be something that you need to fast from. But as you fast, pray. Spend time in prayer to God. Recognise how God has blessed you. The next way Jesus is present is celebrating with food and others. Celebrating God. If we go to Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 15, what we see is the prodigal son. And we often don't mention this too highly, but it, we focus on some other things. But one of the things you'll pick up if you look closely about this celebrating with food and others, 
is what does the prodigal father do when the son returns? Apart from wrapping his arms around the rat bag son, what does he do? He says, let's get our best calf, our fattened calf, and let's have a party. Let's be thankful that our son's home. Well, what about in our lives? What are they to celebrate with God? For those of you who don't know, my wife is American, so she's introduced the Thanksgiving as part of our tradition um, at home. And some years it's been we're thanking God, not just with our family, but with their friends as well. So I encourage you to think about having times of celebration to thank God with food and with others. Remembering the Christian journey is about being part of community. And then, very clearly, Jesus is present when we have Holy Communion. Jesus is present when we come to communion. But when we have communion, celebrate that with joy. When you have communion, have joy. A missionary a number of years ago showed me um, a video of their country where they had been serving and the thing that struck us was when people had communion in that community is they'd come up to communion with their heads bowed and not too, didn't look too joyful. They'd have communion and then they'd go dancing back to their pews, celebrating and he said, why do you think they did that? go, oh, they're probably here. I'm sure it wasn't the amount of wine because it looked like the same amount of, little amount of wine we get. He said, no, it was because they were so grateful to God for the forgiveness. And so remember when we come to communion, Jesus is present. We talk about it being in the bread and the wine, but let's celebrate it with joy. And lastly, remember the importance of Sabbath. And Sabbath is not about us filling our days with stuff. It's not about going, Jimmy, I've got Saturday off or Sunday off, I'm going to fill it with heaps of work around the house or I'm going to run around town with taking kids to sport, doing shopping, doing all this. Sabbath is about resting with God. And a very clear way we can see when the, why Sabbath's important or one of the ways we can see it so if you actually go back, way back in the Old Testament, to when Moses first went to Pharaoh, and his first request was not that they leave Egypt, but can we just have three days off so we can go and worship God? And Pharaoh's response was, nah, what a waste of time. In fact, because of that, I'm going to make you work harder. Sabbath is about resting with God. It's about spending time with God. But it shouldn't be a rule, as we saw, what ha- it shouldn't be this burdensome rule which we impose on everybody else to go, you must not do anything. But it should be something we see that's beneficial for us. So what does all this mean for us in living the faith? What does this being concept mean for us? Well, first of all, it's, we should be prioritising being with Jesus. Being with Jesus daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Thinking about what does it look like for us and making that a priority. Secondly, be with Jesus both alone and with others. 
Now, don't you see being with Jesus is something you do in a quiet space? That's part of it. But also being with Jesus with others. Now, one of the blessings that we're seeing at the moment here is that people are not just coming to worship and going, most people. Most people are coming and spending time downstairs and talking and chatting. Sometimes for over an hour after worship. And that's been really encouraging, but it's also people are getting to know each other. Encourage you to, to engage with all the discipleship habits that we talk about. The habits of prayer, worship, Bible study, serving others, being in relationship with others, giving generously and sharing the good news. But again, don't see them as religious rules that if I just do these, I've done my God stuff. See these as things of how God will work through for you. There are ways, there are situations that God has given you to help you connect with him and connect with others. The fourth thing in living the faith is let God set the agenda. I think all of us, like I do it regularly, I pray to God about specific issues. This week we had a district church council meeting and a couple of challenging things that we were presented with. I left the meeting a little bit discouraged on one or two of them. I got home, I'd been praying on the way home, I'd been kind of a bit wrestled at night, prayed about it, and then I debriefed with the bishop the next day. And one of the blessings that came out of all of that was whilst it's not not entirely good, maybe God's actually doing something different or new in those areas where there's some difficulties. Think about in your life, what does it mean to let God set the agenda? What does it mean to let God be the one that responds to your prayers, maybe in a different way than you expect. Have you ever just sat with God and just be and look for what God is saying and doing? When you go to work and you just kind of be in that situation, you're at work or with family or with friends, and you kind of try to look out, what is God up to here? How is God calling you to be involved But let God set the agenda. And here's the problem. When God sets the agenda, sometimes he can act very quickly. And some of us don't like it when he acts quickly. We want to slow things down. But also sometimes he can act very slowly, or at least look that way. And lastly, reflect on your doing. Think about how is Jesus shaping not just what you do, but also how you do stuff. Think about what it means to allow your interactions with Jesus to affect how you relate to others. You see, God has this love for you, a love that is rich and deep, a love that's not dependent on what you do, It's a love that says, I'm going to forgive you and love you no matter what. But he also has this love 
not just for you, he has it for everybody else. And the reason we call to be doers of the word is because God has invited us to be part of his team that help others know this love, this gracious love with others. And so as we live, let us be with Jesus regularly so we're prepared to live in the world. Because as Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful gift of life that you give us and the entire world through Jesus. Help us to be always connected to Jesus. And may our connection with Jesus be one that helps us, helps us be confident that we have a future to look forward to with you, but also helps us and prepares us for our life in this world. Lord, I pray for everybody here that you continue to make clear to them that you are present with them in many different ways. Encourage them on this journey. And may their doing be shaped by their being with you. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.